Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have returning to us author Amy Andrews. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so happy to chat with you again. Please tell us how your 2022 has been so far. Thank you so much for having me back. It's very exciting. I do love you guys. I listen to all your podcasts. So um, it's great to be here in person. My 2022 has been interesting. (laughs) I'm not writing as much. I hit a bad patch of burnout last year. So I'm kind of taking things easy and recovering from that. But, you know, I have a few releases coming up. Just had one and I've got a couple coming up. So that'll help um, distract me. from my writing woes (laughs) how do you know is it like you can't the like there's no ideas coming up you can't finish something like tell us how you realize like oh I'm hitting burnout right now well retrospectively (laughs) it's always 2020 when you look behind you isn't it um I it was it had been coming for a very long time and um, I did the one thing that you probably shouldn't do which is tell yourself that you don't have time for burnout (laughs) don't Mm -hmm. do that that's not the way that's not that's not good and I just was getting I was was blowing deadlines and I was just feeling I just was feeling it wasn't that I didn't have the ideas or that I didn't the, the words weren't there they were it's that I just just made me feel like a like I wanted to vomit when I had to get out of my computer every morning and, and actually <laughs> write them down. And so, you know, having pretty big word limits, you know, I usually sort of try to write two or three thousand words a day and then I wouldn't make that. And then the next day I think, oh my God, I have to write now I have to write double that because I didn't write the day before. And then and every day I would like wake up in the morning and think, oh my God, I've got all these words to write. And I just and I sit down, I can only write 200 words because all day all I could think was I've got to write 10,000 words today. It's just, um, oh, so goodness. that was a pretty big clue. Um, and it just was, I just thought something is wrong. This is, this is crazy. This is so, this is a, sorry, this is a really depressing way to start off the, uh, off the podcast. You know, I just got to a point where, I, and I had a, I had a deadline, I had a deadline for this book, this book that's just released was coming up. And I, you know, I hadn't written a book for Mills and for Harlequin for, for, sorry, the medical line for a while. And I I just desperately didn't want to blow it. And I just knew I needed help with it. So, um, yeah, it was the end of last year was particularly grim. (laughs) Um, And this year it's about actually not writing, which has really probably been, or not writing as much or very much. It's probably been the thing that's helped me. The most, really. The thing that's helped me the most and, like, now I've been published for 17 years, right, and every year I say to myself at the beginning of every year, I'm not going to write on the weekends. (laughs) And that lasts (laughs) for that January 23rd. And then I end up writing on the weekends. And I just, I guess, ultimately, you know, big word counts, lots of books in a shorter period. Well, I mean, compared to some people's output, no, but compared to lots of people's output, um, I have a fairly high output and I think it all just, you know, kind of caught up and the best thing I've done is actually not run on a weekend, not run on weekends. It's just been yeah. a revelationary experience this year for me not to do that and I can't believe it's taken me all this time to actually, you know, kind of hold that line. So, but it's been really good not to do that. So, yeah. Well, we are in full support of you taking the weekends <laughs> off, okay? You take, can just delete all this out. Absolutely. Edit it all out. It's like, mm, that's way too depressing. Start the no, podcast. I mean, I asked. I asked. So thank you. No, thank you for, for being real about it. So, okay. Speaking of the book, congratulations, oh, yes. Nurses thank Outback you. Temptation. Um, we're so excited to have a new medical from you. How does it feel to be back writing for the line? Uh, it feels, it felt really, uh, well, you know, uh, as I was writing it, it was this wasn't necessarily a particularly pleasant experience because I still had the whole, you know, stuff going in the background. But I've always said writing is tough, but having written, having written is a wonderful feeling. Once you've written a book, it is the best feeling in the world, um, which I think is probably what I'm addicted to. Not so much writing the book, but having written the book, oh, that's wonderful. So, uh, and release weekend, you know, when the book comes out and hits the shelves is always amazing when you open the, the boxes that you get from your publisher full of your books. It's just, you know, a wonderful feeling and actually the book I was at Romance Writers of Australia conference in Perth a couple of weeks ago when the book actually kind of you know just come out so it was great to be amongst all my romance writing you know um, friends as well when it came out so it feels good it feels good well can you share with us an elevator pitch for the book 
Yes, I can. I actually wrote this down because I'm actually pretty shit at pitching anything. So I thought I'm not going to like bumble, stumble through this and half an hour later you guys are pulling the plug because I'm still explaining it. So I actually <laughs> wrote something down. So if it sounds like it's being written, you know, wrote, that's because it is. I'm reading it. <laughs> so um, I guess the whole thing is like kind of it's got a whole summer loving kind of a feel, you know, which is quite appropriate, I guess, given that poor old Libby Newton-John's just passed away. Um, mm -hmm. An English nurse comes to the outback in the middle of an Aussie summer, an Aussie flying doctor uh, dude, wary of anyone who, I just added the dude, I didn't actually write that down, an Aussie flying doctor dude, wary of anyone who's not likely to stick around. She's running from relationships. He's hiding from them. Neither of them were counting on the other. That's it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Just thinking of like the English nurse when she arrives in Australia. <laughs> it's just, I love, like, I just have to say, like, your sense of humor, the ways oh. that you find ways to like slide it into the ro your romances is just perfection. Cause I feel like we share very similar sense of humor. It's like Chelsea's like, what in the fresh hell is this? And I'm like, that's something I would say. And she's like miserable with how hot it is. Like, it's just perfect. So. <laughs> <laughs> when she kind of lands, gets out of the plane in that first scene, it's, um, yes, I think it's quite evocative. <laughs> yeah. Well, you dedicate the book to Joanne Grant and Allie Blake. So can you share with us any details on how they helped you through the writing of the book? Well, yes, and this again all ties into um, to my burner at the end of last year. So, um, Ali Blake, of course, Ali Blake is you know wonderful, lovely Australian romance author. We used to live quite close to each other. Now we live quite a bit further away, but um, we actually kind of struck up a little um, sprinting kind of partnership um, as we were both trying to get a book finished at the same time. So, um, and because I'm reasonably, I, I mean, you wouldn't think it when you look at me, but I am competitive in some ways. And so having, you know, somebody to sprint with and to try to always reach, you know, a thousand words in an hour, whatever, or get down as much as you can actually was the thing that really got me through writing this book. Cause I was still, you know, really in the middle of burnout, but um, having someone challenge me every day and like, you know, wanting to try and best her <laughs> with her word count and really, really kind of got me, got, got the actual words down on the page. So I don't really know that I could have done it without her. And then Joanne Grant, who um, used to be the head honcho over at um, Harlequin in the UK, um, she now, uh, actually she's now writing, she's now back in publishing again, but uh, at the end of last year after she left Harlequin, she has like an author coaching um, business that she does sort of, you know, works with authors for a variety of different um, things. And when I was like slowly kind of collapsing into a heap last year, I was like, I have to get help. Where can I get help? And I knew that she kind of ran this author coaching business and I thought, well, maybe I just need some coaching. So um, I actually had some sessions with her and it was really amazing and wonderful. And I said stuff and expressed stuff to her that I hadn't even known was inside my head until she extracted it from me. Um, <laughs> stuff that was real like kind of light bulb moments. Like me, she, one of the questions she asked me was, well, when was the last time that you, that writing, you know, actually writing gave you joy? And I said to her, I don't know. I, I can't remember. I don't know. And I hadn't really thought about that. So things like that all along the way were really quite revelationary for me and that really helped as well. So between the two of them, um, Joanne working on my, you know, sort of trying to coach me through this sort of bad patch in my, uh, in my writing kind of life and um, Ellie with her lovely sparkliness on the, on the, on the sidelines, you know, both of them kind of cheering me along, dragged me over the, <laughs> over the deadline with this book. So I couldn't, uh, there's no way I could, I could not dedicate it to them. They were just, you know, two angels, both, both of my shoulder, both cheering me along in the way. Oh, that's great. I, I definitely love uh, listening to, uh, listening in on Joanne Grant's uh, Monday's motivation for writers. She really does, does leave you with this kind of, this, you know, positive motivation to, to go and get it for the week. Yes. And she's so wonderful. She's always so positive and, you know, she's worked with authors for so, 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 so long. She's always, you know, um, can, like sees the bright side and she's just 
you know, she was the perfect person. Um, so, you know, it was the best money I ever spent really having those sessions with her. They were real. And the fact that she, I mean, I think I could have probably gotten, you know, business coaching from, you know, a lot of different sources, but the fact that she knew, not that she knew publishing so well, but she knew, you know, Harlequin and Category Romance so, so, so well, just really helped. She's amazing. She's amazing, amazing person i recommend any author um i think she's still doing some of the business even though she's got back into publishing now um if they want to have any kind of business related counseling or you know chat she's just brilliant really great well we have two questions from sarah loves mills and boone it's actually three she snuck in another one she snuck snuck in a third one (laughs) erin i love sarah loves mills and boone she's so awesome (laughs) <laughs> Isn't she great? She's always always on top of uh, getting oh. pro- pushing the covers and everything of the the newest releases. She is incredible, so incredible. Well, what inspired you to write a new medical? Um, I I think probably actually was a good thing in the end because when I was sort of struggling with this, at least it was um, a format that I was really familiar with. So in lots of ways, I didn't have to struggle with that. It was quite natural then for me to, to do it. But I had sort of um, hadn't written for them for a few years and um, I kind of missed, you know, having a Harlequin out there on the shelves. So, you know, I contacted my editor and said, you know, I'm thinking I might, might like to write another medical. And um, so it kind of went from there. So it sounds like that's a very practical kind of inspiration. But um, I love being Harlequin author and I was like, it's time to write another one. I, you know, I don't want to ever kind of not have, you know, kind of fall off the, you know, the end of anybody's, you know, out of anybody's sort of, you know, realm of who who the current kind of authors are. So, uh, yeah, it was probably more like a business decision, I guess, in a, in a lot of ways to to um, to write another medical. Um, but I'm very glad I did. It was very familiar to kind of slip into those sort of old comfy shoes. Well, we were very excited to have a new medical from you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So will we see uh, any books featuring the side characters of this new book? Um, no, I hadn't really. I mean, oftentimes when I write a book, I think, oh, that character will get a story or that character will get a story. But I haven't, no, there's nothing that's really kind of pinged my radar with um, with these characters at all. I am writing a, um, I'm writing another medical. I'm just about to start it actually. Um, that is, and maybe because I knew that I was writing a medical that was a part of an um, editor-led continuity, I kind of shut down those bits in your brain that makes you think, oh, that could be an idea over here, or oh, that could be an idea over here. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm working on this editor-led continuity uh, that's set in um, Sydney, and there's there's myself and Emily Forbes and JC Haraway and Louisa George. Um, so two Aussies and um, two Kiwis. Um, and we're writing, yeah, books at a fictional Sydney uh, hospital. So I'm working on that next. So no time for side characters in the book I've just finished. Ooh. Well, that new continuity sounds very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'll be good. I'm looking forward to it very much. Well, will we get any new books in the Marietta Chocolate Wars series? I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you did, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm really sorry, Sarah, but no, that was only ever a two book. <laughs> that was only ever two book deals. So, and again, I don't think there are any characters really uh, in that that could maybe the hero in the first books X could have got, could get a book. Maybe I might revisit that at some point, but at this stage, I'm not planning on any. No. Okay, that was such a fun series. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Nurses Outback Temptation. For this book, Chelsea leaves home to take a year-long nursing contract working for the Outback Aero Medical Team. Is this a real team of medical professionals? And like, what do you want people to know about them? Uh, no. <laughs> they okay. are completely fictitious. But they are. it is based on the, um, the RFDS, the Royal Flying Doctor Service that we have out here in Australia that um, has been around for like 100 years and okay. uh, is very quite quite famous you know we do they do um where I worked when I was a nurse where I worked in um Brisbane at the Royal Children's Hospital we often um sent our nurses out on their flights to you know pick up children from you know all around the state and and they obviously are in all small towns um and they go out to emergencies because like America Australia is quite vast 
and um, there's not a lot of kind of hospitals or medical, you know, help beyond sort of, you know, where the big towns and cities are. So um, the RFDS, Royal Flying Doctor Service, has been around for a long time. So it's based essentially on, on you know, a team of RFDS um, doctors and nurses and, uh, you know, a base station essentially. Wow. Okay. Well, Chelsea is the widow of a war hero who left her with a constant reminder of his infidelity. How did Chelsea present herself to you in the beginning stages of writing her? I think she was probably a little less clear to me than um, than Aaron was. I knew really about her to start with was that she needed to get, she had to get away from, she didn't want to do another English Christmas. She had to get away, you know, because she was heartbroken. And then I was like, okay, why is she heartbroken? And they're like, okay, she's a widow. Okay, that works, a widow. But given how generally bad I am at writing internal conflict, <laughs> I thought, nope, I have to make it even more screwed up than just being a widow. <laughs> so um, I thought, okay, maybe her, you know, husband has um, the, her war, her, you know, war hero husband had actually cheated on her during their marriage and it's not something that she finds out until till after he dies. And she finds it out by, how can, okay, how can I make it worse? Okay, she finds out by um, a woman arriving on the doorstep with um, his child. I kind of discovered her a little bit as I was kind of going along when I was sitting down and thinking about it. And the fact that she lived with her in-laws um, after her husband died because, of her, you know, they lived quite close anyway and it just made sense. They are all grieving and, um, and how uh, her sort of husband's, mother really came to depend on her and um didn't want her to leave because you know that was part of her son essentially um and all the kind of guilt trips and complexes that kind of laid on Chelsea and she just couldn't take it anymore you know so I thought I felt like with all that um kind of building up on top of her and top of her and top of her it seemed quite reasonable that she just wanted to kind of you know get away from it all and just you know fly to the furthest point away she could possibly fly which is what she did (laughs) even if it was boiling hot from freezing cold yeah i will admit minus the war hero dying i have had this very same situation in a past relationship uh so i was like oh my god amy (laughs) you nailed it the the just you know that eventual gosh chelsea's like she just has to get away because there's this constant reminder of like you did this and then the fact that you don't find out until he's actually passed away but yeah, like it it was it's a very real thing and I was like I'm so glad Amy Andrews touched on this cuz it is really hard to deal with. Um, you know, oh, you it, obviously it's a kid involved so like you don't want to the kid is totally innocent, but they are like a reminder of something hurtful. Yeah, it was um there was just a constant reminder of her husband's infidelity every every single day. And, you know, it's absolutely not the little boy's fault, whose name has completely escaped me right now as I... As Alfie. <laughs> it's um, it, well, not Alfie's fault at all. And and that's that just makes it worse because then she feels extra terrible because it's not this child's fault, but she's just constantly having to be reminded and reminded. And then there's guilt about, you know he's you know he's a war hero he, he died you know in the war and so he should therefore be you know there's just there was so much you know I really 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 tried to screw her up as much as I possibly could like, <laughs> that was my goal <laughs> you definitely did <laughs> and I'm sorry so- if I strummed your pain with my fingers I'm I'm sorry no 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 <laughs> Um, but I'm pleased that I might have gotten a, bit, a little bit right by the sounds of it, so so that was good. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, she's absolutely nailing this. <laughs> okay, so I think that Flight Doctor is, I mean, come on, a romance hero that I'm like, I want to see more of this. But can you talk about writing Aaron's character? Yes. Yeah, so Aaron was there for me all along. He's where I first, I guess, going back to that, going to that question from. Um, from Sarah, I guess he probably was my inspiration in lots of ways for the story because there's a show over here, a TV show over here in Australia, and it was back in the day, like back when I was like a teenager in my early 20s, um, it was called The Flying Doctors. It was a television show called The Flying Doctors, and they kind of had a reboot a couple of years ago, um, kind of during the, the 
you know, the pandemic and the, all the lockdowns. Um, and they called the new show RFDS, as in the Royal Flying Doctor Service. And the doctor, or actually he's the nurse character in this show, the guy that actually is the inspiration for Aaron. Um, but I really liked that actor and I really liked his kind of backstory and he sort of is really my inspiration for Aaron in lots of ways because that kind of, you know, man on the land sort of from from the from a farm, from property, you know, so he's, I always like to write men who are quite good with their hands. <laughs> and um, and he's, you know, I think you, you combine kind of, uh, you know, he's come from a big, a massive, huge sheep property, as we call them here, sheep property, and a, um, you know, a doctor, you kind of get the best of both worlds. And so in my head, you know, Aaron was this, um, was this, had the looks of this, this um, TV actor guy. And if you go to my Pinterest page, you'll be able to see, um, all the inspirations for um, the different characters um, on the under that board on that on my Pinterest page. Um, so I had a real sense of him because a lot of um, this, you know, kind of TV characters' um, pains were actually kind of in Aaron. You know, he sort of was quite isolated as well out in the country. You know, hard to sort of to find love or to trust that someone's going to, you know, stick around, especially when they're from far away. And so, you know, he was my real kind of, um, he was my real inspiration for that. So it was a great show. You can probably go and if, you, if you're into that kind of thing, I'm sure you could probably find it online somewhere. Um, it's called RFDS. You can look it up <laughs> and see if I'm not wrong. You'll understand when you see him what I mean. <laughs> I am going to get on YouTube and see if I can find it. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. We love when a character is also an avid reader. There's a scene where Erin picks up her copy of Animal Farm. So we must know where did the inspiration for the choice of this book come from? That's so interesting that you picked that up, pick, picked up on that. That's really interesting. I love that though. Well, I wanted um, Chelsea to be a, a huge reader that she's kind of arrived only for a year, but she's bought all these books with her. And mm-hmm. in a way it's kind of, um, a kind of a passive aggressive, I guess, sort of nod to the mother-in-law, you know, her mother-in-law didn't want to take the books because that was a sign that, you know, she might not come back if she took all books with her sort of thing. So, you know, there was sort of that layer kind of going on with, with what the books represented. Um, but I wanted to make her an avid reader and I wanted to make her, her um, she's quite an avid romance reader, but I also wanted to make her quite an eclectic reader, you know, because one of the scenes he helps a go put up some bookshelves. So um, I wanted to kind of her to have a whole bunch of different sort of books uh and I don't know I read Animal Farm you know when I was in high school like we all we all had to do I really liked it um um like a bit of political satire and I thought it was a way of um sort of showing that she also read classics um uh, as well and had quite an eclectic taste in books because I you know she's one of her favorite books is um Charlotte's Web you know that that's in the in the, the bookshelf there and she has a whole stack of romances as well. So I wanted to kind of um, just, you know, as I guess because I'm a reader and other readers understand yeah. how much, you know, like to geek out over other people's bookshelves and stuff. So there's probably a little bit of that in there as well. For any aspiring writers who may listen to this and want to write a medical romance, what advice would you give to them? Um, I think there might be like a mis conception that you might have to have some medical background to to you know write one and I that's not true at all I don't know what the percentage is but it's probably 50 50 I guess of the medical romance authors Harlequin ones that you know have a kind of medical background um the you know there's nothing you can't find on YouTube these days so there's plenty of places that you can go look for your medical um you know stuff I would advise as I always do is to make sure you read every single medical romance you know that's that's about to come out or that's come out over the last couple of years so you really 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 you know get familiar with that that intangible thing that makes a line a line you know makes that you know you get in every single kind of harlequin line it's that sort of thing you know it when you see it there's you know that sort of um medical books tend to be quite sort of um emotional you know I think that's a emo- big big on emotions so um I mean all romance books are of course but um uh, emotion outside the kind of hero and heroine um I guess as well um and you can also 
like I'm I'm assuming that um, the medical authors still run like on Twitter and um, places like that online, you know, um, pictures and online. Um, so you think you can write sort of competitions? I think they still go on, don't they? So all those are really, really worth um, entering. Get your work in front of, you know, the eyes of an editor. Uh, so I advise to go online and get connected as much as you can into the community, into the romance community, into the medical romance community. Um, and, uh, yeah, just don't give up. Keep if that's your, that's what you want to write, that passion, just just keep going. Just keep going. I think that medical, oh gosh, they're just so, they're such quick reads because, I don't know, there's like that workplace aspect to it. But I think there's also maybe like an assumption that it's going to be just so heavy on the medical stuff. And it's not really like, obviously, mm. the medical aspect is really what kind of drives the two characters together. But there is like the focus is on the romance. They just happen to be in this profession, which kind of looms in the background. And you'll get some really cool scenes of seeing like them in action. But the oh. focus is still so much on the romance between the two characters. And it's just like, you just can't stop. You can't stop reading them. And then when you have these fun locations like Chelsea in the Outback. <laughs> It's just, yeah. it's perfection. It's so good. Yeah, I think the drama, the drama, the medical drama is, you know, it's sort of emotion and drama and the drama dri- drives the hero and heroine together, keeps them together. Um, it's kind of harder to write ones that where they're not together. I mean, it is, it is done and I've done it before, but it's much easier to keep them together when they're sort of working, you know, together, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Um, and I think, I know, I think I said this in the last time I was on, I struggled in the beginning to work out what was the percentage of how much medical, how much romance, that's a line. I think once you kind of get into the groove, you just sort of innately know. And some books are going to have more medical stuff in them and some books are going to have less. And it just depends on the characters, depends on the situation, depends on the book. You know, I've written uh, books that have, you know, had all kinds of gory <laughs> um, stuff going on in every chapter and it's all really detailed. And others where, you know, I just kind of like walked a stethoscope around a bit and like... <laughs> don't give a whole lot of medical details so um and that just really depends and as you said always it has to be it's a romance first so the medical stuff is just like you know the romance is the christmas tree and the medical stuff are the decorations you put you know on top and sometimes if you let a kid decorate the tree and they put 60 million things all on one side it can be very medical it can be very medical (laughs) other times it can just be very you know um uh, you know very um minimalist (laughs) That's a great analogy. Yeah. 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 I I always try to, that's how I try to explain this to people. Think of it as a Christmas tree that, you know, the romance is the main part and the, the whatever, whether it's medical or whether it's, you know, an office romance or whatever, that's all just the trimming sort of thing. Well, Playing It Safe, book seven in your Sydney Smoke Rugby series with Entangled Publishing released in 2021. Do you have any plans to continue this series? Uh, yeah, I do actually. And my, so book eight, which is playing it tough, is actually due out in November. So um, I, I did write some books <laughs> through all this, through all my <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's coming out in November, playing it tough. And then the last book, which is Griff's book, which is The Coach, um, he will be coming out, I don't know, sometime maybe next year, maybe the year after that. And then that will be the series complete so it'll be um nine books nine books or nine ten books if you count the crossover that i did with the um the credence colorado series but sort of nine books just if you're a purist (laughs) and i can't wait for that one to come out because that was um i'm working on their sort of finishing sort of line line edits and that kind of thing for playing it tough now um that's um sort of a storyline that's really quite has some quite emotional bits in it. The heroine's um, got the bra- the BRCA gene in her family, so she's had, um, you know, um, uh, mastectomies, um, you know, like, did the Angelina Jolie thing. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, really kind of, you know, gritty, interesting stuff in that as well as being, you know, kind of sexy and my usual sort of sexy, funny kind of mishmash. So I have a an, a, like an additional question I'm going to add in here. So, okay. Yeah. Sydney Smoke, we have we have athletes. We yes. have, you know, flight doctor in medical. You have cowboys. You have small town. When it comes to writing your heroes, do you have one that you feel just like 
comes to you supernatural? Like, is it your medical heroes? Uh, do you feel like they're different depending on the story you write? Like, am I making sense? Like, I don't know. We I, There's yeah, something I about the medical hero that I just feel like really stands out. But when you look at your bibliography, you have such like a diverse cast of heroes. So mm. how do they feel different for you as the writer? Look, honestly, I think they all just, they're all the same people. They just wear different clothes. <laughs> like, I feel like an Amy Andrews hero is like, I, I, I feel like people go, oh, you write alpha heroes. And I think when you look at the external, you know, trappings of them, a cowboy is an alpha, a doctor's an alpha, you know, a sports player is an alpha, your billionaires are alphas. And that is true. I'd say that I write a gamma hero. So that's sort of an alpha on the outside, a beta in the middle. So like all of my kind of men that I write tend to just be really kind of, you know, nice guys underneath it all. Um, And I, you know, the one time I had to write a really, really kind of alpha doctor guy in a a medical series I was writing, I had fun with him because he was really horrible. But then I had to kind of redeem him because they made me write the last book. So I had to redeem this character, which was, I wouldn't have made him quite so horrible if I realised I was going to be the one that had to redeem him (laughs) at the end. Um, But I think I tend to write, you know, really kind of alpha kind of on the outside, but um, cinnamon roll, they're cinnamon rolls. Really, that's what it gets mm-hmm. down to, I guess. In the middle, that's what they are. Um, I, I, and like, I love to read a good fasted alpha along with you know with the rest of us. But writing them, I feel like um, they just—I don't find them so easy to write. To me, they have to be have a little bit of squish <laughs> in their middle. To um, I don't know. But I guess that's the Amy Andrews hero. He's just a gamma guy. He's you know kind of tough on the outside, but you know he's. I mean, he's, he's not someone who will probably easily show emotion either, but he's um, just a really good guy, you know. He's just a really good guy. Mm-hmm. I like those guys. I don't like morally ambiguous. Um, I don't think any of my characters will ever be morally ambiguous and that's fine if that's your thing, but it's just not me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, from what we could see online, you have a January release coming out called Breaking All the Rules. Is there anything you can tell us about it? Well, yes, I can tell you lots about that, actually. It's a book that was supposed to come out two years ago. <laughs> and then, you know, ching, pandemic, and ching, no paper, and ching, you know, publishers and, you know, blah, everything went. I don't know, it was supposed to come out not two years ago, maybe 18 months ago, but um, it's kind of been delayed and delayed and delayed. It's actually the fourth book in the Creators Colorado series. I know it looks very different to the other books, but it is actually um, the fourth book. So you get all the usual um, Creedence Colorado characters, you get the rom-com kind of um, uh, cast of, you know, eclectic characters that make up the town that everybody who, you know, who reads it seems to really like. Um, you get this, yeah, then you get another, you know, sort of uh, front story about, um, what is her name? Um, he's a town kind of cop, a junior cop. It's a, um, it's an age gap story. And she's a city girl who literally um, kind of throws her job in. She's an advertising executive in a very, very spectacular fashion and decides to, like, throw a dart in a map and in, like, you know, kind of middle America and just wherever it lands, that's where she goes. So um, that's what she does. She ends up in Credence, Colorado, and she's just determined to not follow any of the rules that she had to follow in the past, you know, to get on and get up and, you know, um, kind of get ahead. She's done. She's done with everything. She's not wearing – she's not wearing – um spandex or heels or she's not definitely not ever doing any exercise ever again she's going to drink beer for breakfast and eat ice cream whenever she wants um and she just hides away for the first three weeks when she gets to Creed and everybody thinks that she might be a witch or something um <laughs> she's literally watching um every episode of um supernatural that she's never seen before and um and yeah she meets this young guy this young cop guy who, who tries to or, she, who she makes goads into, she goads him into arresting her because she jaywalks and she's just, you know, angry that she's eating ice cream and he's annoying her. And um, <laughs> he says, all right, well, I'll help you break some rules then. Let's do it kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's a rom-com like all the others and I had so much fun with it and I really hope everybody loves it because it feels like it's been forever and ever and ever and ever before it's, you know, coming out. So It sounds so fun. Like you would have like... <laughs> 
<laughs> a romance with a cop who's like, you know, r- big rule follower while you're breaking all the rules. Like, like that's, that's your exactly rule is right. to like not follow the rules. <laughs> that's exactly right. And every time she goes to break a rule, he cites whatever city ordinance it is that she's breaking. Um, <laughs> oh, love it. Makes it. Even more attractive. And it's like in the end, like, you know, and he doesn't know. He's like, he's just making them up. He's like, the top of his head is like, you know, reciting some bullshit code because, you know, it's kind of gets her off that she's thinking that she's breaking all these rules and stuff. So it's super fun. <laughs> like, I love writing them. They're funny. I hope everybody loves them as much as I do. And then you get the usual, you know, town characters that you've had in every book as well. So, yeah, I just, you know, keeping everything crossed that it will actually come out. I'm not going to believe it till I see it. It's been so delayed. So fingers crossed. Keep everything crossed for me. <laughs> we will. Absolutely. Well, can you please tell us what is the hallmark of an Amy Andrews romance? I think I'm probably, I guess, what I was saying before a bit about my heroes. On my, my kind of strap line on my website is um, laugh, tingle, sigh. So laugh, tingle, and sigh. To me, that's what I that I write around, sort of emotion and sexy times and funny times. So um, you can laugh, you can cry, you can get a little bit um, tingly in, the, in your bits and um, just... Yeah, I think you get a little bit of everything. Um, I like to make write books that kind of can make you laugh and make you cry at the same time and give that wonderful, swelling, happy sigh at the end when you know it's all worked out okay. So yeah, yeah, that's the best. Round out questions. With over 80 titles published, has your writing process changed since you began and how? Actually, it has. I only really realized this when I was doing my, you know, kind of thinking about my writing a lot this last little while um a always written quite quite fast and quite a you know um quite a decent amount of words per day um and I was pretty linear like I started from the beginning and I just sort of went from you know chapter one through to whatever chapter 20 and then it was the end and I would reread when I sit down at my desk, I reread what I wrote the previous day. I do a very light edit on it and then I go on to the next because that kind of gets me into where I was in the story. And then I can. So by the time I get to the end of the book, I'm, um, it's usually pretty, you know, it's pretty good first draft. Like it's, you know, it needs another read through and stuff, but I don't tend to alter very much. Um, and I think this is probably um, because I was, you know, taking so long to write a book. I tend to. I heard somebody say, and I don't know if it was on your podcast or somewhere else, that they're quite circular, right? They're they are they're like so they're not plant planters or plotters. They're like very circular writers. So I get to a point where it's been it's taken me so long to like that now that I'm writing slower that I kind of almost forget what's happened in the beginning. I have to kind of go back back around again and read again and sort of sort of work my way back in and know where I was going to go and. Um, you know, work out what I've sort of, it's been so long since I wrote like, you know, chapter one, I need to re-familiarise myself. So I've been, I've been quite circular. I think that's been taking me longer as well because I'll kind of get four chapters in and I think, oh no, I have to go back and read it all again and kind of work that out. And then I'll, you know, progress to chapter 15 and I'll be like, oh, I've got to have to, no, I've got to go back. And then, so each of those times it gets an edit as well. So that's making it a slower process. But it seems to be that's what's happened in the last few books, that, sort of these last couple of books that I've written. So I think maybe that might just be the way it's going to go now. I don't know. I'm about to start another one. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a surprise. Who knows? <laughs> I'm kind of just surrendering myself to, to you know, whatever now. I, you know, I've learned the hard way that perhaps it's time just to not be so regimented and just be a little bit kinder to myself. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Tell us one of your most recent unputdownable reads. Well, I usually read at a night time, like at midnight. <laughs> so I'm generally pretty tired. So I'm normally only reading like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, half an hour sort of thing. But the last book that I read like three o'clock in the morning that <laughs> I couldn't put down was a few months ago. But, and I haven't read a Bibli Jenkins for a lot, long, long time. But I actually read Captured um, by, by Miss Bear. And I, well, I love that. I just, like, just like in the end, I thought I didn't, I didn't finish all in one go because I have to go to sleep because I had to get up at, you know, three hours time. But um, I just kind of like just licked that up. I, and I think, I don't know, it's because I'm kind of toying with writing a pirate book myself. But I just adored it. I just adored it. So, yes, that was um, one of my very fast reads. 
from more recent times. I mean, yes, come on, so you know, Emily Jenkins, she's so easily just yes. worn down. Yes, so good. Mm. What is one of your favorite tropes to read? Um, well, I mean, I absolutely love forced proximity. I'm just, I'm just a sucker for it. And then if you can throw in um, only one bed, I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like it when they like have to share the bed as well. Like you know, there's lots of different ways they can get out of it, and that's great and can be really funny as well. But um, I just really like it when they have to when there's just the one bed and like both of them are going. Well, I'm not laying on the floor. I'm not, I'm not laying on the floor. Oh, I guess we'll have to share the bed then. Right. Um, stay on your side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You stay on. The, you sleep on the outside of the covers and I'll sleep on the whatever. But or you sleep on top and I'll sleep at the bottom. But I like when they, and I like them having to negotiate that. There's so much, you know, fun and um, um, character reveal in those sort of details as well that um, I really love. I do, I do love a snowed in or, a, you know, having to share a house or that sort of thing when you kind of force every day to see this person that, you know, you don't really want to see or you don't think you really want to see, but really deep down you do want to see. So I love that kind of, there's so much, it's just so ripe for being able to, you know, put humor in and to put put them in really sticky situations. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. What's one of your favorite tropes to write? I think, uh, and I think this is kind of, I know some people don't like this trope, but I really <laughs> like fake engagement relationship or, you know, we're, we're getting married, but it's all fake kind of thing. I understand that there are issues with, you know, lying to people and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that needs to be navigated, you know, quite carefully. But I I, I really, really love to write. And I don't really know that I have actually written too many of those, probably because I've, you know, it might can be sometimes difficult to navigate. But I have got a, um, a fake kind of engagement plot going up going on up in my head now the book's called our grandmothers made us do it and i can't wait to write that one because it's been bubbling away for some time now but yes i do again and i think it's like i guess because it kind of leans in that forced proximity a lot too doesn't it um yeah they can get relationship you kind of they're forced together even though you know for whatever reason they're forced together um to play out fast that they're trying to enact and um I guess all these things to me, because I like, I love, you know, romantic comedy so much, I guess really works so well as well in that kind of whole romantic comedy sort of, you know, subgenre. It's such a broad church, isn't it? So um, they all kind of neatly fit into that, I think. So you can kind of have your fake engagement, fake relationship, fake wedding, whatever. And oh, so they have to, you know, they're at the at the mother's house and everybody thinks they're together. So oh, they have to share the same bed. So you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's <double> whammy. <laughs> you get two for one. <laughs> I don't know. I personally, that is a trope that I will never get tired of. Like I, the fake I, engagement. I never, yeah, like the fake engagement, fake marriage, marriage of convenience. Like I, you know, I just feel like it's like God tier is a trope. Like there's just so much you can do with it. I, yeah. I I never really saw anybody say like the whole lying part. I did see like for a while, it felt like a lot of the big single titles that were coming out were there were a lot of that in those books. And so I think uh, some readers were like, okay, this is a little bit much, but it's still such a good, especially in like romantic comedies. It is mm-hmm. just such a good trope. Like I don't know. I will. I will never get tired of it. So it's so juicy, isn't it? It's so juicy. It's yeah. like um um the movie is it is it Blind Date? What's the movie with no um where um Ryan Reynolds and um he's Canadian, she's Canadian, she has to marry him to get a visa um to stay. She's a publisher. Oh God, what's oh, her the name? The proposal was the that proposal. Well, Sorry, yeah. that's the yes. yes. Like that's a classic forced proximity, right? When they have to go to his, you know, house in his family's property in Newfoundland and they, they don't share the bed, which I was I, I always wish I could write that scene because I really wish they were forced they would actually share the bed together. But that's just so, so juicy. And because and again, because there's so much potential for, you know, hurting um feelings over you know, when then feelings get involved, you know, it's such high stakes as well. You know, it's so juicy. I love it so yeah. much. Yeah. Well, tell us one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever received. I sort of had thought about something that Joanne um, said to me, Joanne Grant, when we were doing our sort of business coaching, um, 
was, and like, you know, I've been writing for a long time and I think maybe a lot of um, the stuff I didn't really like about writing was how um, the editing process always felt so adversarial. I mean, and I know that I was the only one that felt that and it just suddenly she sort of said, you you know, your editor's not your enemy. (laughs) They're, They're there to help you make the book better and I know that. I knew that, you know, on the outside, I've said that a million times to people, but on the inside, it always felt like oh, what they're really saying is they hate your book. <laughs> oh, writers, we're so complicated. <laughs> um, but she actually made me kind of see that actually, no, really, they do really just want to help you make the book better. And I, again, I knew that, but I didn't like deep, deep down accept that. It was always like, I'm not, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I still haven't got it yet. You know, the whole imposter syndrome thing. But it really, really did help me kind of finally, finally see that, you know. I mean, your editor's not your best friend either, don't get me wrong. It's a partnership. Instead of it being, a, uh, here's my precious baby, oh, you hate that bit about it, oh, my God, that can't, you can't possibly be right, no, you don't understand what that's about, it's actually a partnership. And I think, I can't believe it took me so long to really, really, really understand that. So, yeah. Wow, yeah. I know, I feel like I, I, I'm a bit of a slow learner. <laughs> It's like, oh my goodness, this stuff that people learn, like really understand, you know, quite a quite a bit earlier. No, I think it's cool that here you are, you know, you've been writing for so many years and you have like 80 plus books. And and just to say like, hey, I just came to accept this. It's it's really cool because there's somebody out there that's probably going through their first editing process right now and feels like that. So to hear Amy Andrews say like, I'm just now really accepting this is like a big deal to me, I think. So I'm glad you shared that with us. It actually felt like a big deal. It was such a big revelation to me as well. It's like I finally, I say I knew it, but I think I finally accepted it as actually being the case. And that's really helped going forward. So yeah. Well, lastly, where can everyone find you online? Oh, I'm everywhere online. <laughs> I'm a, I think I'm pretty much everywhere as, as um, at Amy Andrews Books, I'm Instagram at Amy Andrews Books, Facebook at A. Andrews, Andrews Books. Um, I'm at amyandrews.com.au is my website. I'm on TikTok. <laughs> I got talked into joining that at the end of last year and I have a love-hate relationship with it, but um, I'm there, you know, most days doing something silly on TikTok at Amy Andrews Books as well. Um, and um, anybody wants to join my newsletter, you can do that through the um, through my website. There's a button there. Um, get a free novella. You can have a, a read-off as well. So, yeah, just look me up. Um, you can't get rid of me. I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah. How does the and TikTok we don't want to get rid of you? I know we don't want to, but how does the <laughs> TikTok experience feel? Like, do you feel like you're connecting with readers, reaching new readers? Like, what was the push that finally was like, okay, guys, I'll join? <laughs> well, I was doing. I ran some ads, kind of at the end of the last, well, sort of the middle to sort of the last sort of quarter of last year and my ad person said you should be on TikTok I'm like oh I really should not be on TikTok no 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 you need to be on TikTok that's where it is it's so easy and simple and and so I kind of begrudgingly joined it and the thing is like I love scrolling TikTok like I can waste seven hours just like scrolling 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 I love it I absolutely love it but um it's I feel like it's it can be hard to find your reader. So I feel like I'm still, I think I've, so I've probably been on it now for, I don't know, maybe be, probably 10 months or nine months. Um, I think finding your reader is sort of harder than um, I anticipated, I suppose. Um, but, you know, I don't know, I'm just on there trying to have a bit of fun and hoping to connect. I think all social media often feel, unless you go viral, Mm-hmm. I think all social media feels a bit like you're just standing on the corner, on the street corner, you know, individually hand selling. <laughs> yeah. And selling your book. <laughs> just saying, buy my book, buy my book, without saying, buy my book, you know. That's some very, I do find it a bit dramatic. I feel like, you know, there's always one drama or another. And I think there always is on social media, but I think um, probably TikTok seems to be even more so. But they're all, it's always very interesting, you know, um, drama as well, very educational. So I don't know, you yeah. guys, Ron, you, you're, you've got an account on TikTok, don't you? Um, category yeah, we've been, we've been talking like, should we start a TikTok for the podcast? And I mean, we totally get it because we put these episodes out every week and we're like, is anybody listening? Like, we don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's kind of like, well, if we get on TikTok, you know, we, we've like had this conversation very recently. Like we think that we've maybe gotten all the category listeners that we're potentially going to get. Like, can we do one more thing and try to possibly reach someone? And we just hear you all say all the time, like, you know, as authors, it's like you've been told like TikTok sells books. So we're like, I wonder how TikTok will work for a podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's the thing. And that's, it's so unquantifiable, you know, when you're going into it, you can't really, unless you, you know, really hit the zeitgeist with, and it's it's the same thing that happens on, you know, say on Facebook, like you can put up, a, I can put up a post and think, oh my God, this is so interesting and amazing. People are going to love this. And there's like crickets. And then I'll pop up a post that, that that sort of says something like, you know, don't you just hate it when you get a hangnail? And there's like 400 comments in 10 minutes. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> so it's, you know, it's I, I find it confounding. But I would say it depends how much time you've got. Because I think, Aaron, are you are you both on there individually? TikTok? Uh, so I, I do have I do have a TikTok. I've got about four videos on there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to do a thing where I uh, where I just read steamy scenes from from books. Oh, that's right. I did see you doing that. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, don't do you scroll a lot? I, I just find it a math quite a or quite an incredible time suck, which has not been such a bad thing for me, given my I'm not writing very much kind of you know stage. But at some point, I'm going to need to put the TikTok down and write some words. So that's concerning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I do not scroll on there. I'm I'm self aware enough to know that I will I will get nothing else done if I start doing that. Disciplined. That is so. It's so. It's really interesting because I'm like that with Facebook. I know that if I start scrolling on Facebook, it's just you know four hours later I'm down some rabbit hole that's got nothing to do with whatever I went in for. So I'm I'm always trying to do my Amy stuff and get off. You know, I I try not to do much on there at all. Um, but I have had not had the same amount of discipline with TikTok. I don't know if it just came along the, at the same time I was, you know, going through, you know, my kind of when I was sort of rocking in a corner thinking I'll never write again. I don't know if it hit at the same time and it's just suddenly now my kind of, and I actually find myself at night time scrolling it before I go to bed instead of reading. I just thought to myself this morning, I can't, I have to not do that before I go to bed and read because I've sort of, I've, um, my books have fallen off the last sort of couple of months. So that's, that's not good. So you just have to yeah. be very mindful of that. I think it's easy to get kind of sucked in. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for letting us talk to you today. We've been so excited. <laughs> and congratulations on Nurses Outback Temptation. It's fantastic. It's truly, truly fantastic. So listeners, if you don't have your copy, go ahead and hit up Mills and Boone, Harlequin's website and get your copy. It's so good. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm pleased you like the book. And um, yeah, everybody listen to them. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Go get your copy. Yes. Uh, and yeah, so thank you. Make sure you all check the show notes. We'll have links to all the places where you can keep up with Amy Andrews, including her TikTok. So go follow her on there. <laughs> oh, please, please, please go follow me on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Erin and I will chat with you in our next episode. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Bye.